0: This morning as we continue to work our way through the book of Galatians, we'll be in Galatians chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 5, Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Paul is going to teach us this morning about restoring those who sin. This is probably one of the passages that everyone in the United States needs to hear this morning. Because it is in opposition of our current culture and it is in opposition of our American disposition. Our culture is very individualistic. We teach that success comes from individual effort and hard work. It's in the DNA and the bones of America. And when people aren't successful, we expect them to just work harder, work harder. It's the American gospel of work ethic, and anyone who doesn't or isn't successful is because they're lazy, haven't tried hard enough, and need to do more. Don't get me wrong; work ethic, working hard, is important. But the problem is, is that not only this failure not always is not always commensurate with how hard someone works, but we also transport this thinking into the realm of morality. That if you want to be better, you need to do better. That you need to try harder. That you need to work harder. It's up to you. You need to work out your moral failures yourself. And you can tell this because we don't talk about our sin. We don't share where we struggle. We don't ask for help. The reason we don't ask for help is because we have this idea that we're expected to do these things ourselves. If you have sin in your life, well... We just need to deal with that yourself. Don't bother people. Don't make it awkward by talking about it. Try harder. Work harder. But that's not what all that fighting sin is about. As we'll see today, fighting sin is a community effort. And if it ceases to be a community effort, we will lose. We will lose against the fight. We will lose the fight against sin. You will lose it in your life I will lose it in mine because we are made to help one another. Not only through encouragement, but also through rebuke. And so let us look then at Galatians 6 1 through 5. I'll read the word, and then we'll study what Paul's trying to teach us. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaking in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a one with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else, for each person will have to carry his own load. I wonder if there is anyone here who is spiritual. Do we have any spiritual people in here today? I hope so, because to you it is commanded that you should help us carry our burdens. Restoration is done by spiritual people with a gentle spirit. The reason I say this is contrary to our culture now is because when someone is caught in wrongdoing, we tend to other them. If someone does something wrong, we put them out of our camp in the sense that we're ready for them to just get out. We don't want to associate with them. We don't want to have ourselves and our reputation besmirched by their sin. We distance ourselves. We don't want people to think that we would ever do such a thing. But Paul's clear here that when we're trying to restore, we need to be careful because we can be tempted by the same sin as well. We do practice church discipline here in our church where people are placed outside of membership because of sin, But and we don't do it perfectly. I don't know that anybody can. It's really hard when you start trying to help people understand the gravity and depth of their sin, how it affects them, how it affects those around them, how it affects the church. We like the wisdom to do it perfectly. But one thing I know for certain is that our goal and our prayer and our hope and our anguish is that the person who is being spoken to, who has fallen into wrongdoing, will repent, that their relationship to the Lord will be restored. That's what Paul is talking about restoring such a person to. We're trying to first restore them to the Lord, because if their relationship with the Lord is restored, their relationship to others will be much easier to restore. The most important thing is our relationship with Christ. We pray that people repent of their sin and return to the Lord. That's what restoration is. And there's no one as good at lying to you as you are. We fool ourselves. We need our brothers and sisters to come and help us to be restored gently. Because it's hard to listen. It's really hard to listen. When someone comes to us and says, hey, this is wrong, our immediate response is to be defensive, to fight. No matter what the contradiction is, whether small or great, if you don't believe me, get a Twitter account. People cannot stand to be questioned, much less told they're wrong. 144 characters of fighting back and forth It's because we can't stand correction. That's why it must be done with a gentle spirit or we will fail. We have to be gentle and humble for restoration ...will not take place. It's comes. We come to each other with a gentle spirit... ...not with a vindictive spirit... ...not with an angry spirit... ...not with a spirit of hostility... ...but a gentleness that will remind them of their Savior... ...who is always gentle with us... ...in all of our sin. He deals with us with great patience. He deals with sinners with great patience... ...even though they violate His word and His love and continue to violate his word and his love, he is still gentle and kind to us. The bruised reed he will not break, and the smoldering wick he will not snuff out. This is the attitude of restoration. And we have a responsibility to do this. If you look in 1 Corinthians 5.5, we talked about this on Wednesday night the other day, there was a man who was sleeping with his father's wife. We assume it was his stepmother. It's bad either way. He's sleeping with his stepmother, and the church hadn't done anything about it. And Paul rebukes the church for not handling the situation, says that they're proud, and that they should put him out. Because not even the Gentiles, those outside the church, commit such sin. The church has an obligation to address sin, with the eye to restoration, Paul says, "...hand this person over to Satan, that though their body is destroyed, their soul might be preserved until the day of Christ." The goal is restoration with Christ, even in that situation. Second Corinthians, he says, that "...not to grieve this person anymore because the rebuke of the many is sufficient." Apparently, this person repented. We have a responsibility to do this. If we see someone who's fallen in sin, we have a responsibility to go to them with gentle, loving spirit, hoping that they will be restored to the Lord. That it hurts us when they hurt. And if we don't do that, we not only do a disservice to them, we become complicit in their sin. We talked about this on Wednesday, too. If you go and your, your friend robs the bank while you're driving a car, you get the same sentence as they do. If you know your friend has done something wrong and they're with you and you say nothing and you do nothing, you're complicit And Paul says that such sin will then spread like gangrene in the church. We must do restoration. We must do it with a gentle spirit. And restoration means carrying one another's burdens. He says, restore such a one with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves that you won't be tempted. Remember, you're not above anything someone else has done. In verse 2, he says, carry one another. This is another thing that is contrary to our mindset. When we see another who is burdened, we are supposed to help them. But often when we see someone who is burdened, we judge them. We think that they're there, it's their own fault, they've done this, and so what if it is? Paul doesn't say here, hey, the one who's overcoming wrongdoing, it's their fault, let them suffer. He says, carry one another's burdens. Mercy should reign in the church and grace carry one another's burdens we don't just blame them and leave them we help them carry we are supposed to help people who are addicted to drugs even if it's their own fault it is their own fault so what help them carry and not just hey we'll get them dried up and clean for a month but for the rest of their lives we help them when they relapse we help them we go to them we help over and over again there is not a single person in this room I would bet even though I'm not supposed to gamble that every single person in this room's family has been affected by the monster of addiction, and we're supposed to help our friends carry that load. We're supposed to help those who doubt the Scripture. We're supposed to help those who doubt the resurrection. We're supposed to help those whose faith is faltering. We help to carry their burden, and we do that their entire lives. We're supposed to help those who are in pain. We're supposed to help those who've lost their jobs. We're supposed to help those who who have lost hope. It's our job to carry their burden. What Jesus say about burden carrying? If a man compels you to go with him one mile, go with him. Two miles, if you ask for your shirt, give him your shirt and your coat. Help them carry the burden, share. Share. This is how the world will be restored to Jesus. And when we help carry other burdens, again, as Paul warned, we need to be careful that we are not tempted ourselves into sin. There is a twisted sort of pride that comes with helping others. Follow me here. Sometimes we go into service thinking that we will help those poor old people who can't do it themselves. And that is a wicked sin. Sometimes those who have the appearance of serving others are some of the most proud people on the face of the earth. And here's how you can know. When it comes time for them to be served, they can't stand it. We do not help others because we pity them because they are lesser than us. We help them because we know one day we will need help. I help you lift your load so that you can help me lift mine. It's only a matter of time until I sin and need your help might not be long it is a sinful attitude and it's very pervasive in our lives to get some sort of pride out of helping others that we are better and we become more because we help that's not the point and another thing that is very difficult in our culture is if you're actually going to do these things if you're actually going to help people carry their burdens you have to make time for them and we don't have hardly time for anything it takes time to get into people's lives. It takes time to help people. People who you're truly helping call you at weird hours. And they call you when you're busy. And they aggravate you. Because look, when if just in simple things, if you're coming home from Birmingham and it's 11 o'clock at night and you get a flat tire and you don't know how to change it, who are you going to call? It's not going to put them out some. And if you're their only true friend, they're going to call you. Because tires don't go flat in front of your house at lunch break. It's never that easy. This is how Jesus did it for us. He carried our burdens. This is what Jesus did. The Bible says in Isaiah fifty three eleven. listen to this. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Burden bearing, he will carry. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. 1 Peter 2, 24, he bore our sins. He carried them. Do you hear the word of the Lord? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. Give it to Jesus and he will carry it. He's always offering to carry our burden. Cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. Listen to me. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Did you know that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, is a burden bearer? That he carries burdens for you, for us, He says, give it to me, son. Give it to me, daughter. What's wrong? Let me carry it for you. So beautiful. Isaiah 46, listen to this. Listen to me, house of Jacob. All the remnant of the house of Israel who have been sustained from the womb, carried along since birth, I will be the same until your old age. And I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will bear you, and I will save you. Isaiah 46, 3-4. He will carry you. And Paul, when he speaks, of restoration, gentleness, and carrying burdens. He's tapping into the heart of our God. Do you know that when God sees you burdened and carrying burdens that you deserve because of your sin, he still comes along and says, Oh, son, let me carry that for you. Look what you've gotten yourself into now. Let me help you. No anger or malice. No vindictiveness. No, well, he's made his muddy pit. Let him wallow in it. What does David say? He made himself plenty of muddy pits. He said, he took me out of the miry clay and set my feet on the rock. Set my feet on the rock. Carry. what we're called to do. We'll be like Jesus if we do this. We'll be like Christ. The world will see our city on a hill and they will see what it means to be a Christian and they will wonder at the love. This is how the world will know that we are his disciples if we have this sort of love for one another. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We are his hands and feet in the world as we say. And No one else will live like this. No one else can. Because this is a supernatural love that must overcome our own selfishness and our own love of self so that we can forget self and love others. Restoration is done with a gentle spirit. Restoration means carrying another's burden. And restoration means carrying your own load. That's interesting. He says in verse 9, he says, I'm sorry, verse 4. Let each person examine his own work. I want to tell you what this means. Let each person examine his own work. Then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. This is very important in the context of this. He's not talking about getting all stuffy about what you've done. He's talking about when you go in to help someone else, and you start thinking, well, they've done this thing and I haven't done this thing. And so you start boasting in your heart that at least I am not this Remember there was a Pharisee who did something like that. Lord, I thank you that I hear your word and I, I pray four times a day or five times, how many times he did, I forgot his bragging and I tithe on everything I get everything I get. I tithe to you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, especially that I am not like this tax collector, right? Thank God I'm not like him. This is what Paul's warning us about. This is why he says, let his person examine his own work. Don't worry about the tax collector, okay? Thinking that you're better because the tax collector is bad is folly. (laughs) It's pride. So when we go to help someone else, don't think, thank God I'm not like this person. Because we are. I mean, who's the disgusting person in that parable? Is it the tax collector or is it the Pharisee? The tax collector is a sinner, y'all. He did bad stuff, and he knew it. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He smote his chest, King James version. He smote his breast, is what it says. Would not look his look up to heaven and said, "Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner." Jesus said, "Guess what? That guy went home justified." Doesn't say the other one. But he says here that restoration means carrying your own load. What does it mean to carry your own load? He just said carry one another's burden, but each person must carry their own load. How can Paul say carry one's burdens and that we all must carry our own burden? There's two ways we can think of this. One is sometimes it is your responsibility to carry someone else's load. That is your burden. And two, Paul is not saying that we're not responsible, that we can just give up and quit. We are supposed to carry one another's burdens. I'm helping you. I can't carry it all myself. We're helping one another, but you've got to learn to walk too. We have to carry our own load. We have to take responsibility for our own actions and our place in life. Yes, we do. Paul is certainly not saying here we don't have personal responsibility. We have it. See, there's nothing more beautiful than realizing I am in a bad place. I am in a sinful place. I am far from the Lord without hope in the world. And most of this is my own doing. And then someone who loves you swoop in and say, I know where you are. Let me help you. I've been there before too. Come on, let's go. I like how Jude says it, that we snatch people out of the fire. A fiery brand, we snatch it out. That's our God. That's our goal. That's what our God would have us do. We are striving to help people make it. The devil is real. He wants to kill you. He doesn't want to make your life miserable, though that would delight him. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal all of your joy. He wants to suck out all the hope in your heart. He wants to ruin your family and destroy it. He wants you to curse God and die. Every day, all day, he is seeking whom he can devour. And they are falling by the millions. He is devouring going to come in here he's going to get after some of us it's going to be nasty and this is going to be something that we deal with our entire lives and you know what we're called to do put on the helmet pick up the shield grab the sword of the spirit put on the breastplate of righteousness and rescue the perishing come on let's go He will carry us until the day that we die, and we are His hands and feet to help. It is not going to be easy. And if it's been easy for you so far, it's because you haven't lived long enough. (laughs) Or you've been exceptionally blessed. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this world out here is fallen and dying, and on the inside we crave unrighteousness, and we are going to sin. And we're going to need help. We are going to need a believer one day to sit down and have a come-to-Jesus meeting with us and ring our bell. Because we are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And if we do not have a church home and a church family with spiritual people who can come to restore us with gentleness, the enemy will have a field day with us. We are to be like Christ. And even now, this morning, at this moment, he's carrying my burdens. Even ones I don't have enough sense to ask him to carry. He shields me. Listen, this may not be fair, but I'm going to tell you. Jesus shields me from the consequence of my own stupidity and gives me grace in it. Even when I'm too ignorant to know how ignorant I am. And he does the same for you. And listen this morning, maybe everyone's failed you. Maybe nobody knows where you are. Maybe nobody knows what's in your heart and the darkness that's there. We can't even know our own hearts. I want to tell you that this is a genuine and true and faithful saying. It is worthy of all acceptance and it's for you this morning. Jesus says this, come to me, come to me all who are heavy laden and burdened and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. How does Jesus give the heavy laden rest? He shoulders the load. He offers it to you this morning. Confess to him. I cannot carry this. It is too heavy for me. There is an interesting place in Hebrew. I, I always think about this when I think about Jesus' burden bearing. It's weird, but it's true. There was a man named Cain. You remember Cain? You think of him as a villain, and he was. He murdered his brother. And the Lord came to him, and he said, Cain, where's your brother? The Lord knew where his brother was. Why did he ask? He Give an opportunity. Cain, son, where's your brother? And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord graciously said, Cain. The blood of your brother Abel cries out to me from the ground. Now the ground will be cursed on account of this deed you have done. It will not yield to you its fruit as it once did. And this is what Cain says in Hebrew. My iniquity is too heavy to lift. That's what it says. If you have a different translation, I'm sorry, but that is what it says in Hebrew. My iniquity is too heavy to lift. What does God say? Cain says, my iniquity is too heavy to lift. Anywhere I go, people will kill me no matter where I go. And the Lord said, nope. Wherever you go, I will protect you. This is what he's saying. I'll put a mark on you. I'll protect you. And anyone who kills you, I will avenge you sevenfold. No one will hurt you. Why did they have that? conversation why did the lord react that way i believe it's because cain said my iniquity is too heavy to lift now i'm not saying everything turned out all right that he was a good guy or what i'm saying that when cain said my burden is too heavy to lift the lord helped him carry it even that despicable sinner now listen to me this morning your burden is too heavy to lift the lord will carry it for you he's promised that he would Though our sins be as scarlet, he will make them as white as snow. He is extending to you hope this morning. And I'm not saying that the clouds are going to break today and the sunshine will finally pour in. But I am saying it will get better. The Lord himself will carry your burdens. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, this morning I pray that you will help us. Lord, we are a people burdened down with our sin and our own iniquity and our own unrighteousness. Lord, we don't deserve your help. We don't. There is no reason that we should not be given over to judgment this very morning. Our sins deserve righteous retribution. But Father, this morning in your grace and your kindness, you have stooped. Just as your son knelt to wash the dirty feet of his disciples, Lord, this morning you come to us and you say, Cast your burdens upon me and I will carry you. Father, I pray this morning for those who are burdened and weary. Some may know why that they're burdened and weary. Some may not even know why they are burdened and weary. God Almighty, please, for the sake of your praise... Help them, carry, carry their burdens for them, Father. Call on them in your ever gentle voice. Show them the beauty of your Son, Jesus. Let Him carry their burdens. Father, help us this morning to be a people who carries one another's burdens, who helps one another, who is are gentle to one another, who always seek restoration with one another. And even when... Uh, even when people in our midst won't listen to rebuke and they go away, may we always be burdened that they return again to you and to us. Father, help us and bless us. Help us to be a gentle, merciful people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.